You're listening to How I Sell, a podcast built for early career sales professionals. You'll hear stories, best practices, and guidance from top sales leaders on what it takes to become a sales superstar. Today's episode is made possible by Ramped Careers. Ramped is on a mission to build the next generation of workforce-ready talent. Today, I'm excited to bring Asher Matthew to our show. Asher is the VP of Revenue at Demand Matrix. He is a successful podcast host, a community builder, and an all-around superstar. Thank you for joining us today, Asher. Well, thanks, Manoj. I mean, after that intro, I don't know what else I can say. That may actually make it better. <laughs> but hopefully, I, I can do some justice to this podcast. So thanks so for having me on the show. I'm, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. And, uh, and, and I think that's an accurate characterization of you. I've known you for, you know, I've known you for a little bit. But for folks that don't know who you are, you know, who, who was Asher Matthew? Yeah, so I came out to this country in 2001 from, uh, from the Middle East. And then I went to school in LA and uh, had the opportunity to join my first startup, which was ultimately sold. And then I used to play golf with the, the executives at Avalara, which is what led to you and I meeting. And, uh, and then I joined Avalara and uh, Avalara is, um, spent about seven and a half, eight years there. And then, uh, and then decided to, to take, uh, uh, we had moved to the Bay Area at that time. And then from there, I decided to take a different role at uh, another company called Lean Data because I wanted to solve the lead routing problem that we had at Avalara. And then after that, I found that the, the problem was really in the data layer, not the routing layer. And then, so then I had an opportunity to join a data company uh, where I'm at right now and solving a problem that I had figured out three companies ago. And so, or at least I was experiencing three companies ago. So it just took me so much time to really get to a company where I could actually solve the problem that I really wanted to solve. And, 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 and you know, incredible journey, right? So you moved here from the Middle East. How old were you when, when you made that jump? Let's see. 18, 19? You were 18, so some of your formative years were there yes. in the Middle East, some of your formative years were here. Yes. I noticed that you actually went to school for computer science. Um, and now we're talking about sales and business development and yep. data layers. Uh, what happened? How did you make the jump? Why, why computer science? Tell us a little more. Yeah, so when I went to school for computer science, there was a a course in artificial intelligence, which is what everybody took and wanted to take because even back then AI was hot. It just took, uh, took I think what, like 20 years or 15 years uh, for, it to, for AI to become commercialized the way it is today, right? Uh, so I went to school for computer science because a whole bunch of lawyers and doctors and like anybody that wanted to work with logic, like went to computer science outside of just core engineers as well, right? Yeah. And so I finished school and then I actually go to uh, get hired as a technical support evangelist or a technical support rep. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, and then I, uh, I, I, I do this gig for three or four months. And then I'm thinking, wow, there's no way I can do this for the rest of my life. And so at that point in time, I became part of the statistic, which is 70% of the people don't actually do what they uh, don't do in their careers, what they went to school for. And yeah. so I decided to pivot into something else. And, uh, and that pivot just became sales. But then I went from a technical support representative to a sales engineer to a salesperson to a channel sales manager all at the same company 
because I do believe in sticking around at companies, at least in your early stage days of your career, so that you can learn a lot more and then you can have a greater impact because it does take multiple years for you to see the impact of your work. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because uh, I have a little bit of the same journey. I started out doing you know, accounting and uh, then went to law school and then started selling software. And, and here you and I are having this discussion today. Right. You know, it's interesting that you, you, you mentioned, you know, when you started out, you have a perception of what it is that you want to do. And turns out that's not it. And I think a lot of folks are in the same boat. What was your thinking, right, when you hit that roadblock three, four months in, uh, out of college, great program, you're clearly motivated, feel like it didn't work out. How did you make the transition? Did you talk to anybody? How did you jump from that to saying, All right, I'm going to go try something else? Yeah. So what I would say is I've always been blessed by having people who, whether they felt sorry for me or saw something in me, mentored me, which I think was great. And I, could, I have a list of all of them, right? And in the blog post that we do for this thing, I'll actually list all of them and say thank you to them because I could not have made it to this point if I did this all by myself. And a lot of those people are still in, uh, uh, I'm still connected to and, uh, and, and they help me. But I would say this, that, that the, the plan that I'm on, I had an inkling about it from when I was 16 because I wanted to do something that was, was or play a role where I would create something or build something. And, uh, and, and, and that's what brings satisfaction to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And has that, has that desire uh, been the same since you were 16? Have, has that changed over time? Have you learned? I'm sure you've learned new things, but fundamentally, are you still the same person you are at the core or have you changed quite a bit? No, we should probably ask that question to my wife <laughs> <laughs> or maybe my mom. You know? but, but I will say, I will, I will say so the, the, the energy I would say that I had or the yearning that I had to go create something, yeah. I've, I still have. How it manifested, as we all know, and you've known me for quite some time, is I was in a technical role. Then I became, went into a technical slash business role because I want to build the, the, the communication gap together. And then, uh, and then I went into a pure business role, right? And that's where I'm, I'm today. And you mentioned that, you know, there, there have been others that have helped you in the process, others that have mentored you. Um, and I think that there's something to it. Uh, although I also believe that for, for such a big number of people to go out of their way and help you, they must have seen something in you. Um, and you must have figured out a way, whether you did that knowingly or unknowingly, yeah. on cultivating those relationships. I don't think that was luck. And I don't think it was all happenstance, maybe one person, maybe two people, but it looks like there were a lot. Uh, what advice or guidance would you have for early career professionals that are looking to learn from others that are seasoned uh, and looking to grow from feedback from them? How did you make it work? It took me some time to get to this framework, but I have a framework, right? And the way that you can get to learning is through education, exposure, and experience. That's my framework. Mm -hmm. And at any given point in time, uh, I'm always optimizing for one or the other or all three for myself. And I'm also trying to optimize for one or the other or the third, all three for the person that I'm in connection with. Because we're all teaching each other something, right? 
that if you spend enough time calling people, and in my case, an enormous amount of time calling people, uh, you'll find that that every one of those p- folks will teach you something, right? But education you can do in school, the mm-hmm. learning's not happening in school, the learning's happening out in the world. And then all the bad decisions help you with, with experience, right? But where to position yourself and where do you go and how do you maneuver and how do you create a lane for yourself? Because nobody's going to give this stuff to you, right? There's no playbook. You have to go fight to go get it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the people that fight the hardest and think the, the, uh, the, and are the most creative thinkers and the most, like, I would say, ruthless problem solvers figure out how to get to that magical land of, let's call it career success, right? Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and so, so the last piece is really exposure. And, and exposure is, uh, is, is one of those things where it's, it has to do with timing. It has to do with a little bit of luck as well. But you can prepare yourself for exposure. Case in point, like I did not know anything about finance. But the Avalar CFOs, both uh, Bill Ingram and uh, David Rostov, right, and, and Annette Irod before her, uh, before both of them, uh, all were gracious enough to work with me on helping me understand how finance works. And then they would give me these nuggets of information, but I would have to go read up and then figure out what is the missing pieces of information or education that I need to complement to make sure that I'm, I have a holistic understanding of finance. Mm-hmm. Then I met Ethan Bell, who helped me understand what FP&A work, work looks like, right? So along the lines, right, since I was in a biz dev role, which is the role that I took, took, uh, took on, and I was career, technically my entire background is biz dev, in a biz dev role, you need to have a holistic understanding of your company, a holistic understanding of the company that you want to do business with, and a holistic understanding of the market. Mm-hmm. To me, that is the best MBA that you could ever ask for because you're dealing with executives on your side, executives on another side, and, and uh, dealing with market change. Mm-hmm. And I think the B-School just prepares you for that. And this framework that you kind of shared, it, it, it's very structured and I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, when were you able to wrap your mind around it, right? But it, because it looks like that's something that someone that has the benefit of hindsight would be able to share. Um, but you cracked the code a little bit early. Uh, how did you make that happen? When did you figure it out? At what point? Yep, I would say great bosses, awesome mentors and a lot of well-wishers, you know, because at every point in time, when people challenge you, you can, you have two things you can do, right? You can react or you can make a party face and like stand in the corner and not do anything about it. Or you can just go do something about it and like start writing notes, right? So one of the other things that I do every year is, uh, is I write all of the learnings from the year and all the misses from the year on a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And then I start to create frameworks because the frameworks give you a mental model and that mental model allows you to eloquently explain what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Right? That gives, uh, that creates a bridge for people to connect with you on. Once other people understand what you're doing and why you're doing it, now they're in a position to help you. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you don't like, just like in sales, right? We have to create champions in life or in career. You have to enable your mentor to, properly help you or enable your sponsor to position you in places where you could do something and gain that exposure or gain that experience, right? But there's gotta be a mental model. There's gotta be a framework that you can explain to people about who you are. In that journey, 
there's a lot of character building, personality building, situational awareness, like the, all of these other things that you just have to do to, to go through it. I will say this, that all of those people that you are going through your life slash career with, where you're learning about yourself and about them, keep those people close to you. And, and it's important because you're going to learn a lot about yourself and a lot about people, but you have your entire life to live with all those, those people. We live in tech. Tech is, is a, a big, small place, right? So do we have, it seems like the, it's an enormous, enormous, enormous land mm-hmm. with like 50 people and maybe 500 good people, right? And mm-hmm. so, uh, or 50 to 500 good people. So, so it's, it's still a very small place and, and people are always connected. I mean, just look at you and I, right? I think we met four or five years ago and here we are doing a podcast and, and, uh, and I'm well wishing you on your new journey, right? So, I mean, it's literally like, like those type of connections. We didn't spend like 16 hours a day, but the conversations that we had were inspir- inspiring enough that we stuck around and we, we, we went through life together. And now, you, now uh, we have the opportunity to help each other. I mean, for those who are listening, this is really a masterclass on, on, on how do you build a, a strong network and how do you lift yourself up and others around you through that network. Uh, Asher, I'm going to read, uh, read out a bunch of just words, right? And, and tell, me, tell me what you think of them. Extremely motivated, master networker, industrious, dependable, good golfer, truly cares about people, intently listens to the needs of others. Do any of these ring any bells? Yeah, I think uh, they're t- talking about my wife or my mom or my dad. <laughs> they, are, they are not. They might be, but these are, these are not my words. These are what 20 other people have said about you. Uh, and wow. these are incredible skills to build. How much, how many of these skills came to you naturally? I want to demystify this a little bit, right? Because unless people ask, no one knows, you know, is, is Asher a naturally gifted person or did he have to, you know, bust his rear to get to this point? Of these skills, which I think you'd agree are probably what separates you from the average person, how many of these came to you naturally and how many of these did you have to work towards? Yeah, so I think the the networking piece came from my family because we made it a rule that we would go to church every single Sunday, no matter what. And, uh, and, and after church, you know, there's always the, hey, let's get tea and biscuits or get some cake or hang out with people. So you have to go meet with people, right? And in Pakistan, where I'm from, there's a very small Christian community. So you have to know everybody. And so, so, so my parents basically instilled this culture of building relationships with other people. Obviously, building good relationships is a learned skill because you're just not going to be born and you're like, oh, man, I'm like the best relationship builder out of in, in the whole world. And, and then, you know, it, there is a meaningful relationship and, and there's just a passerby relationship. There's like all these different types of relationships, right? But at the end of the day, you really need to know what type of relationship builder you are and how long do you want to hold what type of relationships, right? In that journey, you're going to learn about awareness, which I will say I sucked at awareness, right? Like I would piss people off without not even knowing them, right? <laughs> and and it's, it's funny to hear what you say. And then I think I'm the worst at it, right? Because I'm, I have to strive constantly to just make a meaningful difference and inspire people every single day, because I think that's the biggest gift that you can pass on. Because if you can have a five minute conversation with the person and that person is truly inspired to do something, right? Not just mm-hmm. all this thought leadership, but to actually dig the do something with their life or just do something. I think that is probably the best gift that you can pass on. 
And in my life, I'm just trying to do for other people what other people have done for me so that there's, you know, there's something that goes, the gift goes on and other people are, are blessed by it. That's such an incredible perspective. You know, the mentality of, of wanting to give first and the mentality of believing that this truly is a virtual cycle uh, is something that I think the world needs a, a lot more of for, for reasons that are not so great. Uh, for some reason, folks have just embraced uh, this notion that sales has to be transactional or relationships have to be transactional and they really don't have to, right? And to your point, you and I have had, you know, a handful of interactions and, and yet, you know, we've stayed in touch and I for certain will always look for ways to be helpful to you. And I'm sure that you'll do the same for me. And I think your take on the value of, of building and nurturing a relationship is super critical. Uh, switching gears a little bit, right? Going from all the skills that you've um, kind of picked up over time and applying them in a more tactical manner to your know, sales and business development, which seems to be you know, a central theme to what you've done for the past, I'd say, you know, eight years or so. What's one sales tip that you uh, would like to share for folks that are just starting out their careers and they have a long journey ahead? What's one, one tip that you can share with them? Yeah, so I'll share with one with you that I'm, I'm still working on. And I think, the, the, again, sales is like one of those uh, mental games, if you want to call it like that, right? Because you have to have fun in everything you do. I certainly believe that, right? That, that, that you have to keep on practicing and, and because the concept of sales may be the same, but how it's done is different in different times, case in point, like where we are today, right? There's no more trade shows. So there's no more you and me hanging out for like four hours because I have a family, you have a family, <laughs> kids are going to cry, dogs are going to bark, right? Like we, gotta do all, we have to do all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. But the one thing that, that's actually super interesting and that I'm working on reading up on today, in the, today or in these times is how do you develop a champion. So in, if, you, if you look at all the sales material out there and all the sales methodologies, right? There's always the, hey, figure out what your product impacts, figure out the pain, figure out who has influence, figure out who is a decision maker, right? There isn't enough material, or at least I, since I'm, I have a renewed interest in this topic, right? There is the, how do I develop a champion? Not interact with a champion, not get acquainted with a champion, mm -hmm. but develop a champion. And there's as much research work in the company that, that needs to be done or on the company that needs to be done that, and you have to do a similar amount of work on figuring out who this person is, where you do need to build a relationship to understand the person and then equip them so that even when you're not there, they're doing an amazing job for you, right? So I would say the tip that I would give people is to slow down. And when you are connecting with the three or four people in an organization, ask them who, point blank, like who has the ability to be a champion and what else have they championed in the organization? What change has somebody brought in, right? Mm -hmm. When you hear the stories, you'll know whether the person who you think should be a champion is really a champion or not. Mm -hmm. And then when you find that out, then spend time with them. Understand who they are as a, as a person. And then, then naturally weave in what you're trying to do 
by developing the champion and constantly nursing the champion so that his job or his experience with you should be a, uh, his job should be easy and his experience with you should be the most amazing, I would say life experience rather than just a sales experience because all of those champions are gonna go out to different jobs and then you are going to go and, uh, um, and sell to them again. I'll give you the, the classic hypothesis that I have and I think if I did a little bit more research, you could find this, right? Mm-hmm. It, like Snowflake is all the rave, right? Mm-hmm. People are like, this guy, Frank Stutman, literally like, like took this, co- this, this third company public. It's like crazy, right? And so my hypothesis is that Frank Slootman, back in the day when he finished school, probably hung out with a bunch of CIOs or future CIOs mm-hmm. and, and has been a part of a companies that have sold to CIOs through his entire career. Mm-hmm. So a whole generation of CIOs have now come up with it. No, that makes sense. I think, I think you've, you, what you've shared is, is it almost seems like it takes discovery to a whole new level, right? Adds additional layers of uh, thought to it and makes it a little more holistic rather than asking the very basic questions to determine whether this is a buyer that I should be targeting or whether this is a company that I should be targeting. It almost goes three, four, five levels deeper. Uh, and it seems to weave in this whole notion of you know, the power of network and the power of relationships that you've held on to for the longest time into the equation. So thanks for, thanks for sharing that. And I know that, you know, you had mentioned that you'd, you'd want to thank uh, folks that have helped you uh, professionally, you know, please, we, we want to, you know, be a platform where the world knows about kind, generous, smart people. So uh, please go ahead. Yeah, sure. So we'll start from like Simon Lamb, Beth Wabama, Jennifer Muniz, uh, all the way to like, like Pat Fall, Jay Dubler, uh, Blaise Casillas, who you know, by the way, too, uh, and, uh, and Saab McFarland, Marshall Kushner, Greg Chapman, like, like, there's a list of people that I know that I've interacted with, like folks like David Rostov or, or, um, or Annette Irod or Tom Pogaki, um, and, you know, and also my friends like Mike Alpert and, uh, and Matt Cantelis and Liz Anderson and Pat Fall, who also you and I both know, right? Yeah. And then at Lean Data, we, I had the pleasure of working with Rachel and uh, with Larry, with Evan, with Brian Burkett, with like, like again, all these amazing people, right? To now I'm at, uh, at Demand Matrix where, uh, where I have uh, uh, Mithil and Milin and Mark and Ajith and all these guys that are helping build such an amazing like journey together, right? But then outside of this are like a bazillion CEOs that have helped me or, and, uh, and another, another bunch of executives or investors out there. So, I mean, I mean, I could put a list together, right? But actually, it may just be easier just to go to my LinkedIn profile because they're all there also. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm super duper thankful to all of these people that spent their time with me because I, never, I didn't know them, right? Like I don't, uh, and again, I don't come from a, a extremely like wealthy family where like you have this amazing network that's already set up for you. I actually mm-hmm. have to go build all of this myself, but all those people took a chance at me. So for that, I'm truly grateful. Yeah, that's a, such, a, such a wonderful story. And I'm gonna ask you one last question since it's 2020 and uh, hindsight is 2020. Yeah. If you met a version of yourself 15 years ago, knowing what you know today, um, if we could only share one thing with, you know, that version of Vasher, what would you tell him? Uh, be more aware. <laughs> we, will, um, we will reserve another podcast session with you to talk about all of, the, uh, all of your awareness stories from your, uh, from your younger days. But, uh, Absolutely. But happy, happy, to, happy to help. 
Thank you for your time, Asher. I know uh, we've kept you longer than we planned. Very much appreciate you spending time with us. No problem. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. And good luck with your journey. Great, sir. Thank you.